Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Everyone, welcome back to the Ilm Feed podcast. I'm your host, Shabir Hassan, and it is great to be back. I think it's, it's, been, it's been quite a while now, actually. And um, here we are in the blessed days of the Hijjah. We're into that Hajj season. I'm really excited for today's episode because the individual, the brother that we, that we have joining us today has, mashallah, not just been for this blessed great journey and pilgrimage, the Hajj, uh, once or twice or even five or ten times. But we're talking close to around the 20 mark now, 20 times, subhanAllah. We're going to hear about his experiences going for Hajj, seeing it over the years, and yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to, to to bring on someone who I'm sure is not an unfamiliar face on your screens. You've probably seen him on TV already. Brother Naeem Raza, welcome. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Every, every time I people say to me I've been 20, uh, I always meet somebody who's been like 30 or 40 times. So <laughs> Really? <laughs> There's always someone more than you. <laughs> wow. Well, look, you're, you're, you're speaking to someone who hasn't yet had the opportunity to go for Hajj. Alhamdulillah, I've been for Umrah quite a few times. I mean, I mean, so so you are what we would call a veteran in 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 my eyes here, and I, and I'm very happy to inshallah learn from you. But firstly, how have you been? How's how's everything going? Alhamdulillah, everything's well. Uh, lockdown's been kind. I mean, I know it's been very difficult for many many people, if not the entire world. Um, some of us have struggled from a health perspective, from losing our loved ones. I actually lost a, a friend of mine lost his mum just a couple of nights ago. Oh, on COVID, even though we're thinking that it's clearing up. Um, but Alhamdulillah, it's been kind. Other than catching it for a, a couple of weeks, we've been very fortunate. Uh, we've not lost anybody immediate to us, but certainly lost a lot of friends and family, distant family. Um, so it has been a, a, a pretty tough time uh, from that perspective. Um, yeah. I said, you know, there's always somebody who's done better than yourself, and there's always someone who's in a, who's in a more difficult situation. So Alhamdulillah, we have to be grateful what we have and the lot that Allah gives us, you know. Yeah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Um, you know, uh, subhanAllah, I think, I can't even remember the last time we actually met now because of COVID and lockdown and things like that. Probably a few Ramadans back now. So it has, it's, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all been a bit strange, I think. Uh, but no, alhamdulillah, it's great to have you on. And um, yeah, so so let's just start with this, right? I mean, I mentioned you've been for Hajaran, you know, let's say around 20 times. I think you've, you, are, are you at that stage now where you're kind of losing count or how is I it? Think- I think I'm at 20, maybe 21, uh, but I think 20 would be a safer bet than going okay. beyond that. Uh, there was a year that I missed, which I'll t- we can talk about, and obviously yeah. last year this year are not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So how many how many years in a row did you actually manage to go? Um, so initially, I think it was 12 years in a row, and then I took a well, I didn't take a break. I just happened to be in Syria at the time the war started. Um, okay. Two weeks after the war started, and when the when the when when the Syrian community started to flood to the borders, uh, I just happened to be working for a charity at the time that mm. needed me to go out and 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 assess the situation and and try and support the distribution of aid, etc. Uh, and it was literally leading up to Hajj, and I couldn't get back to go, so I missed twenty eleven, I think it was. Um, um, and then it's been continued since then until last year. Wow! So since I always see that year, of, I always see that year of being unable to go as as Hajj as well because my intention was there, um, but I was doing a cause that you know, Alhamdulillah, hopefully fulfilled the duties of Hajj because looking after other people. 
Wow, subhanAllah. So, so that, that, at that time you were actually in Syria. You were there. I was actually in Syria. Yeah, literally wow. got back before um, Eid, I think, at that time. Yeah, and I take it you obviously, in terms of Hajj, you had everything planned and booked and, and you were ready to go as well. Like Yeah, and, and I had to give the bad news to the team to say, look, I'm not going to get back in time. It's going to be impossible to catch that flight. Yeah. Uh, so I, I had to I had to miss out that year, but alhamdulillah, it was it was for a, a an equally good cause from the perspective of serving mm. Allah's um, servants. Alhamdulillah. So yeah. Yeah. It was beneficial from that perspective. Wow. So so we're talking good 10, 11 years in a row at, at the very minimum that you managed to go. Alhamdulillah, which is which is alhamdulillah, great great blessing. Um, and let's just let's just talk about. I mean, how how did this even come about i mean like is it just just out of the blue you decided to be honest, you know what, i had uh, yeah I, to do, I i didn't have any inclination to go to Hajj because i didn't have the finances um and that was 23 years ago i reckon um and i was i was basically just driving home in glasgow where i live um it was a beautiful day it was the days of hajj i remember uh, days of eid and there were a couple of women, old old aunties, if you call them, you know. They weren't yeah. too elderly. Um, they were walking up a slight, it wasn't even a hill, it was a slight slope. Um, and they were kind of coming from somewhere that was a little bit detached from the, the, the next block of housing. So mm. there was a bit of a distance. I mean, 15, 20 minutes we would have got there. They had shopping bags. They weren't heavy. Uh, and I don't know. I just saw the opportunity to ask them if they wanted a lift. Uh, I've never met those women in my life. I never met them again. I honestly don't know if they're still alive, to be honest. Um, anyway, they said that, you know, we just want to get to this uh, next street. I said, no problem. I'll drop you off. So I dropped them off. And one of the aunties, she looked back in the car. She said, beta, she said, son, may Allah help you to perform Hajj every year. I didn't think anything of it. I went home and I told my family what had happened. And they're like, oh, how dare you, you know? you picking these women up, whatever they call the police to say you're trying to pick them up. I said, whoa, I said, these are two aunties similar to my mum's age. I was trying to do a good deed. Uh, and subhanAllah, the year after, out of the blue, uh, my mum and I went to Hajj. Absolutely out okay. of the blue, had no inclination. But for some reason, not only did I manage to find the money, but I found the money to take my mum as well. So we ended up in Hajj. And while I was there, one of the brothers in charge of the group said brother name would you mind coming back as a group leader next year uh so the year after i went to hajj with my wife um and that was it there was no looking back after that it was the old forces group the federation of students islamic society yeah. so for about four or five years i led that group with a with with, with, with a, another couple of brothers and one of the brothers abdurrahman al-bawi who came on the the, the second trip that we did uh, after a few years, said, "Look, you know what? We need we need to rethink this because uh, because of obviously forces was was accommodating students. It meant that the prices had to be kept quite low so we could accommodate them for Hajj. And the hotels were quite far away from the Haram." Um, Rahman said, "Look, you know, people want to be closer to the Haram. We need to rethink this." So he then formed uh, a company called Dome Tours, and between us, we we developed it. Although I have no link to the company from a business perspective, but obviously, Alhamdulillah, very much a part of the fabric of the the organization. Yeah. And we wanted to make sure that we were doing it purely for the sake of Allah. The quality of what we were doing was important, um, and it wasn't just bringing people to Hajj, letting them get on with it, and then you just walk away and you don't see them until you get back to the airport. 
Um, and so we both ended up being the group leaders for Forces uh, for about three or four years. Then Forces started to struggle a little bit uh, from the Hajj perspective. So we ended up trying to market the, 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 the business to the general public. Yeah. Uh, and Alhamdulillah, you know, never look back. Um, obviously, we have faced a lot of challenges. Um, but we, we, we carried on, you know, developed the first Hajj guide, the website. And then started to write up the processes. So we were very much into quality. And then slowly started to build a team around us mm-hmm. um, of people that either had come to Hajj with us. And we thought, you know, this brother or sister is going to be really helpful for the future. The numbers started to grow. Uh, or we, we knew somebody back in the UK or, or somewhere you know, abroad that we felt could add value to the team. Uh, and what specifically could they do? So it's a very systematic approach. Um, and we had, you know, we had some bad years where things went wrong, you know, flights were cancelled and hotels were a disaster and you know, there's so many things. And, and Hajj is a challenge, but obviously it's our responsibility at the end of the day to look after it. Um, so really, to sum up, it was an opportunity. And I always say to people, if you see an opportunity, take it. You do not know which dua of which person. So when you give sadaqah, when you give your zakat, your charity, you help somebody, you volunteer somebody, you do not know which deed is going to come good in this life or the hereafter. You just can't tell. So try not to shun opportunities, whatever they might be. And for me, that, that was obviously a major turning point because being able to perform the Hajj every year and also serve the guests of Allah is not many people are going to do that. First of all, not many people are going to go to Hajj in the first place. Mm. Um, but to be able to serve the guests of Allah, again, it's, a, it's an even smaller uh, denomination you know, from, from a numbers perspective. So alhamdulillah, mm-hmm. it, was, it was helping those two sisters, those two aunties, um, their dua, which obviously, alhamdulillah, was a sincere dua. Um, and, the, and the rest, alhamdulillah, is history. And then so if we go on with the journey, obviously 2011, I think, when the, when the Syrian war started, literally two weeks afterwards, the charity I was working with just happened to be working in that area, in, in Lebanon in particular, in Jordan, Turkey, that, that whole kind of region. Yeah. So I, I had to go out there and, and I couldn't get the flight when I came back. And then obviously it reconvened. Um, and then out of that, there are two years that were quite unique because uh, I got picked up as a presenter on Islam Channel uh, a couple of years before that. Just by chance. I mean, I've never trained for the media or never put myself forward to be on TV, etc. But it just so happened that, you know, I, I got picked up to do a small program called Street Challenge. So we just, Stop non-Muslims in the street and asking questions about Islam. Yeah, yeah. Um, and subhanAllah, uh, it just so happened that myself and Raheem Jung, a very good friend of mine, and some of the, the listeners might know his name, yeah. we just happened to click really well on screen when we were doing the live appeals. And Islam Channel felt, you know what, this could be a great couple to take to Islam Channel, uh, to, to, to Hajj. So we performed Hajj together. And we presented the Hajj life. Um, and it really is. It's a bit like, you know, we're watching the, the European Championships last night. It's a bit like, you know, being able to present the World Cup, right? Or the Olympics. I mean, it's at that stage, isn't it? So we yeah. had an amazing trip. It was phenomenal. Uh, suddenly realized the power of Islam Channel when we landed in Medina. You know, there were people from Nigeria and South Africa and here and there. say, so, oh, Brother name, Brother Rahim. I said, oh, my God, how do you know us? You know, we saw you on telly and all the rest of it. But overall, the experience was phenomenal because we ended up you know, doing and seeing things that the, the, the average person then are going to see, you know, behind the scenes, the control uh, tower, flying around the Kaaba in, in, in a helicopter. Uh, and then about three years later, I got asked to go again, Alhamdulillah. So twice I've been able to perform Hajj as a presenter. Um, 
and then until obviously 2019, um, we've, we're obviously on the back of COVID, we've had to stop. So it's been a phenomenal journey uh, on the on the mm. basis of you know that one doa, alhamdulillah. Wow, alhamdulillah. That, honestly, it's just it's amazing that like, how many things we can dissect from that one story. You already mentioned one, which is just yeah. never shunning an, an opportunity to do some khay, to do some good, and then the doa. I think that for me is just it hits so and hard. Also, you you know just what? don't know. Yeah, yeah. You don't know the sincerity of a doa. And also, exactly. I didn't realize that those two antiques needed a lift, or they were hoping that somebody would stop for them. Because at the end of the day, that's also quite a key thing. Because sometimes when we see some, uh, you know, charitable element when when there's something in Syria, Yemen, we know what the need is, and sometimes we we don't respond. So imagine helping somebody that you don't even know that had a need, um, and, and that's quite key. Because you know, we we heard of the story where I think it was one of the companions came to see another companion. And, you know, the, the, the companion started crying. Or it could be that it was maybe some of the Thabi'een. He started crying. He said, you know, I need some money. And the, the brother he'd come to visit, you know, he basically gathered everything and gave it to him. And then after the brother left, he himself started crying. His wife said, why are you crying? You've given everything away. He said, I'm crying because I didn't realize that he had a need. You know, mm. I didn't realize that he had a need. That's why I'm crying, not because I've given everything away. So sometimes not knowing that somebody has a need, but feeling the gut feeling that you need to say, brother, are you okay? Or sister, are you okay? You know, I think help. And that's where Akhua and brotherhood comes in. Knowing mm. that your, your brother or sister has walked into a room, they're not looking as they should be. Um, you know, there's so many things that you can pick out. It's like, you know, one of the companions, um, he, he had a son who kept a bird in a cage and the bird died. Yeah. And they said that Prophet Sallallahu came to see the young boy and ask him about the bird and give his mm. condolences. Yeah. And some of the scholars say that on the basis of this, there were 300 missiles that came out just on this one action alone. So every mm. deed that we do, and, and, and certainly when we look back in our, in, in our Sira, there are so many lessons from these things. Um, so yeah, you can you can nitpick it and, and you know unpick it and, and find a lot of um, benefits that might come of any one action, subhanAllah. Yeah, subhanAllah. So uh, amazing, amazing. I think there's so much that we can learn from that. Going going into the Hajj then, I mean, there's, there's many people listening right now that, alhamdulillah, have been for Hajj. Many of us haven't been for Hajj. And then, you know, you, you've been, mashallah, so many times. And, and and I take it, I mean, going back, I guess one, one question I was going to ask you actually is, you know, we're in 2021 right now. You, you started going Hajj, you know, more than 20 years ago. So we we're talking maybe late 90s or whatever, early 2000s, right? Yeah. How... Has has it has it changed like in oh. the last few decades? At the moment, I'm running a, a live series on Islam channel called Hajj Memories. Uh, so okay. basically, looking back at the archives, we're asking people to call in about their Hajj experience. So I had a caller the other night, uh, a brother from Leeds, and he said that he went in 1988. So that's 10 years before I went. Okay. Uh, and we were just comparing notes. Um, and you know, the Jamarat, for example, I remember when I went the first time in the Jamarat, and you know. Both sides of the Jamarat were lined up with ambulances, waiting for people to be injured or sadly mm. die. And it was that. And people would come from all different sides trying to stone the Jamarat. And I remember losing a, one of my slippers, and I actually found it. I lost it at the first Jamarat and found it in the third one. So that you know that is that that was. I was like, Subhanallah, what on earth is going on here? Yeah. Um, so you know the Jamarats evolved, um, and then obviously there's been a, a massive shift to a one-way, very much controlled system, which is needed because. You know, people come from so many different parts of the world. Some people mm. haven't even 
stood on an escalator in their life, let alone getting onto a flight into a lift. You know, you see people in Hajj standing at the top of the escalator at the bottom, not sure what to do. Mm. Uh, and, and people who get into a lift and they're making dua, you know, that this thing's going to get us somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there have been a lot of changes. Obviously, the haram has changed. The clock tower has gone up now. The, the, the overall evolution of what was happening. And I missed that because, you know, the old traditional buildings. And initially, when we went, we used to stay quite far from the haram because of the cost. Yeah. I managed to learn some Arabic because we were dealing with people who didn't understand English and vice versa. But now, obviously, everybody in the hotels, they speak English, etc., etc. So not only has the system changed, and it's definitely been for the benefit, obviously, the facilities have improved. And, you know, you've got to try and disconnect yourself from the clock tower and the shops and everything when you go into the haram and just perform, you know, focus on your ibadah because that's a challenge. Um, but overall, it's definitely been very beneficial. The number of people that you know are injured or, or sadly pass away because of the crowds is de- increased, uh, decreased dramatically. Yeah. Uh, but it has changed a lot. Um, it's developed in the right way, and some people might see it as a negative thing that you know it's evolving in X, Y, and Z. But you know, from a safety perspective, process perspective, comfort perspective, it's phenomenal. And and sadly, it does mean that the Hajj has become out of reach for some people, but. I will share this much. When we arrived in Mecca for the first time in 98-99, I remember it was Sheikh Yasin Dutton from Edinburgh, Allah bless him, who was in charge of the group spiritually. And he was standing at the bus of the... And, and look, at that time, the bus was one of those old American yellow school buses that literally had no windows, right? <laughs> now you get all these coaches. And I remember him standing at the front. He said, look, brother and sister, I want you to remember something as we enter Mecca. I want you to understand that you are not on Hajj because you have the money, not because you have the visa, nor because you have the holidays. You are on Hajj because Allah invited you to his banquet. This is really important. Hajj is not about having the money. Yes, it's incumbent Mm. upon the one that has the wealth that can afford it. But the one who goes, I mean, I know brothers and sisters who are wealthy to the point they might go to Umrah every single month of the year, but they will never go to Hajj. Wow. And I know people that couldn't afford to travel from here to Glasgow, from London to Glasgow, or vice versa, but they, they end up in Hajj. So Hajj is an wow. invitation to Allah's banquet. So we need, we need to bear that in mind. Um, never give up on the hope of wanting to perform Hajj. Yes, mm. even though it might not be incumbent upon you, who does not want to see the house of Allah? Every person that calls on you know, Islam channels Hajj memories always talks about the first time they saw the Kaaba. And yeah. that is a you know, I've been 20 times and every time it's like I've seen it for the first time. Every time you make the tawaf, it's a surreal experience. So I would say that if you've not been to Hajj and you've not got the finances or you feel, it's, you know, you're not going to... Listen, Allah's mercy is endless. We do mm. not know who will invite. I mean, look, this year, I mean, last year, for example, there are a thousand people invited to keep the Hajj going. This year, yeah. 6,000 people those are the names that were written. So we don't know. And as I said, there's those that, alhamdulillah, have the wealth, have never been to hajj. No matter how much, it's not about the wealth, even though it makes it incumbent. Some scholars say that once you have the wealth, it's incumbent upon you to go to the hajj. Yeah. Um, so, it, so the second thing is about invitation. You know, The first mm. thing is opportunity. Second is invitation. Wow. If you're not invited, you'll not be going. But look, I mean, I know uh, an uncle of mine who was meant to be going to hajj. Got up in the morning to put the washing out um, and it, or bring the washing in or something, and he slipped in a block of ice outside. It was cold. Mm. 
didn't go to Hajj. You know, I had to wow. cancel his trip. And then I also know of a brother who, subhanAllah, was flying with us. Um, you know, and uh, so we're waiting for him at the airport and he's the last person to get on the flight. And now we're 30 minutes past the takeoff time. So look, we have to close the doors. So next thing you see, this brother literally in his dressing gown running across the airport. He said, please tell me the flight hasn't gone. I said, sorry, we've had to let it go. And he said, look, you know, Boy. I've been good to Hajj for four years. And I just couldn't get the holidays. And this year I got the holidays. I came last night. I stayed across the airport in the hotel. I was so excited. Once I prayed Fajr, I fell asleep. I couldn't sleep all night. But after Fajr, I fell asleep. Mm. And I got up now. He said, well, I can't do anything. All the flights out of the UK are full. It's impossible. So he, we said, look, the best thing to do, we've got a second flight going from Stansted or somewhere. You come there in the afternoon, let's see what happens. Mm. And subhanAllah, he turned up and right enough, there was a seat available. Even wow. though the flights are fully booked. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he was meant to go. And I look, I know a, a brother who phoned us one night, the night before Hajj. He said, brothers, you need to promise me that if I die in Mecca, you need to bring my body back here in the UK. He said, whoa, there's no way that dying in Mecca or Medina are we going to bring you back and neither are the Saudi authorities going to allow you to be taken? I mean, yeah. what better place to die than in Hajj itself? Exactly. If not, then you need to bring my organs back. <laughs> it's not going to happen. He said, I'm not going to come into Hajj then. You never well, came to Hajj. Serious? Wallahi, I mean, you know, there are things that happen. And, and that's just our story of, of within our particular group. There are probably many other groups, you know, uh, organizers who will listen. And there are people who have passed away on Hajj, subhanAllah. There's, uh, I know people have come back from Hajj and passed a few days later. Um, subhanAllah, the, the, you know, the, the risk, the going to Hajj, the, the seeing of the house of Allah, it's all written for us. But we have to yeah. make our effort. You know, there was a sister calling yesterday. She said, brother, you know, I'm, I'm really desperate to go. All my family's been. I said, make the intention, find the right travel agent, put the money down. And, and leave the rest to Allah. You have to make take yeah. some kind of actions. So the invitation is really important because you just don't know. And I've seen people on Hajj who have thought, you know, their etiquette or their ikhlaq was really bad. Mm. And I, I would I would get really angry. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I would get really angry. Saying, well, how on earth has he come to Hajj, this guy, you know? Mm. And my brother, Abdurrahman, would always remind me, Allah's invited him, what's your problem? Allah's <laughs> 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 invited him, what's your problem? Why is he here? So... Yeah. The invitation is there, all types of people. And, and you know what, subhanAllah, you know, of all the years, I've seen people come in so many different shapes and sizes and guises and all the rest of it. And sometimes mm. people come who are pretty, subhanAllah, sometimes, you know, uh, I've got certain issues. Somebody can't fly. They're scared of flying. Someone's got anger management issues. Someone's scared of crowds. Someone's unable to walk. All these different things. So somebody's ill. Yeah. SubhanAllah. Allah grants the strength and the hikmah to deal with it. And mm. when we leave Makkah or Medina to come back, it's like we're changed individuals. You know, that yeah. person who didn't fly is suddenly able to fly. The person who scared the crowds is, I kissed a black stone last night. You know, the person who's got a bit of anger issues and is very impatient, brother, you know what? Please forgive mm. me. You know, I've learned. Because when we go, especially from the UK and the Western Hemisphere, 
we because we're paying a lot, especially if you're going on a five star trip, for example, you're yeah. expecting luxury, right? Uh, and when you go there, and obviously you have to wait in a queue, and things are busy, and the, uh, you know you're looking at you know two to three million people in the one area, the bedroom isn't right, and all the rest of it. We lose the act of patience, you know. Hajj is about sabr, and not not to the point that the travel agent you go with that he'll just, and and there are sadly travel agents who just say have sabr or have sabr rather than saying look let me put it right for you, mm. right? Because if you've paid to have X, Y, and Z, then you expect that and you you deserve that. So sometimes yeah. there are things out of the control of the travel agent. You know what time the bus arrives, when does it? If it's a queue, it's, there's nothing you can do about that. But there are other mm. things that you're uh, in the control of the, the agent and he or she needs to deal with that. So yeah. sabr is a massive element of Hajj because there is so much. It's a test even now with all the facilities and the, the metros and all the train station, everything, and some of the tents are upgraded. There is a still a it's physically, mentally, spiritually a tough journey. And yeah. financially, the beautiful thing is it is that the barakah that Allah places in your wealth, the money that you spent to go, it's like it's like giving money away in Ramadan. Wallahi, I feel that you don't see it. You don't see it leaving, you don't see, but you see it coming back. That mm. and, and when you're there, the barakah that there is in spending around the haram and buying, it's just phenomenal. It's very when I go to Pakistan, let's say I've taken a thousand pounds of spending money with me. When I start to get the last couple of hundred, they, they start to feel like rupees. You know, they start to feel really big value. When you're yeah. in the haram, I don't know what it is. There's something around shopping in Mecca and Medina and buying and whatever. There's just some barakah and you just feel like you're not giving anything away. Mm. Um, the whole experience, alhamdulillah, is, is just, it's just a phenomenal experience. So, yeah, I think summer is really important. Yeah. You just don't know, you know, who's and who's going to make it there. Yeah, because you mentioned like intention. I feel like so many people they underestimate the, the 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 strength and the value of having that. You know that strong, firm intention. Like, no, I want to do it. And you, you know, like know how in your heart exactly. You know in your heart yeah, what the intention is. You know if you want to do something, and then Allah knows. Absolutely. You know this is this yeah. is a really important thing that that intention is. Yeah. You know, if it's pure, it will happen. If it's absolutely if I'm doing something purely for the sake of Allah and I really intend it for my brother or sister, it will happen. Mm. You know, so the, the, the exactly. power of intention is really important. Yeah. So you know, from from all your experiences from all these years, I'm sure you've got many you know many stories to tell. We could probably do a whole day podcast on this. But is there anything that stands out for you? Like uh, a few things that you know from your experience, something happened to you, something happened to someone within your group that you just that just always sticks with you till this very day that you that you that you share with us because it's just it's just making us want to go more I, I, that, you know definitely i feel like i just want to you know if, if possible book a ticket now and go so anything that you think that uh, i mean look, there, there, every you? year there are so many different stories so many different people um you know every single year is different subhanallah um there are individual stories you know the one that i mentioned that the brother who ended up at the airport and you know managed to get a flight even though he missed his yeah. flight the who didn't want to come because of his you know he wanted to come back alive there's the brother who came back and passed away a few weeks later um we lost people in hajj you know in the early days when you know it was a very different there was no one way system and and in that time you know if you're trying to get from makkah to to back to the the tent seminar and vice versa 
there were so many people going different ways. You could literally be at standstill. Mm. And we've had people that have been lost on the other side of the Jamarat and not being able to come back to the tents. And, you know, there, there's so many. And then, subhanAllah, we had a family, subhanAllah, who had so many issues, so many issues mm. with their room. Somebody got injured. Somebody got ill. There was a whole host of... But you know what? Every person has a test. And everybody's mm. test is different when they go to Hajj. Somebody's test could be that they're sleeping with somebody snoring all the time, right? Somebody's test could be like that family that had so many challenges. Somebody's test could be that they're ill during the Hajj. There are people mm. whose test was on the day of uh, Arafat, they fell ill the night before. So they had to be wheeled in the ambulance just to be in Arafat for an hour or so. Every, every, everybody has some... Look, I know somebody who lost their suitcase in Jeddah when they arrived. No matter how hard we tried, couldn't find it, but we found it on the way back. Lying in the airport on the way to, so that was their test. They ended up having to buy everything brand new. So every, mm. and then we've had you know, entire families come together. I mean, we had a, a group of fifteen or sixteen people came together. So imagine that for them was quite a phenomenal experience. Yeah, we've got people who have nobody in the world come on their own. They've got no one to go back to, but that that was you know them themselves. And then we've had people who have families from say Pakistan or America who meet in in the group in, in, in Makkah, subhanAllah. Uh, mm. And there are people who haven't met each other. They come from different groups and they meet each other. Um, I've met people in Hajj that I've never, I, I haven't get, hardly get a chance to meet in the UK. Out of the blue. Yeah. You're know, doing tawaf and, oh my God, Shabir! <laughs> <Right? laughs> All those kind of things. And then, uh, yeah. subhanAllah, uh, uh, a few years ago, an Ilm feed covered this, I remember. Um, Demba Ba, the footballer, a very good friend of mine. We met at a masjid and we just developed a relationship and, and, and got to know each other. And we're, we're close. I mean, I've, I've been to his house for dinner and we've, we've met on several occasions. And uh, he he's, mashallah, one of the humblest people I know on, on the planet, let alone just being a footballer as he is. And uh, I was in Hajj and he sent me this picture. He'd never been to Hajj. And he was standing with his haram on. I said, oh my God, where are you? He said, I've been invited by the, the, the government and blah, blah, blah. I'm in Jeddah. I'm coming to Mecca. I said, I'll meet you. So Demba, um, um, Abu Dhabi, and yeah. there was also another uh, player called Jax Fateh, who was a Senegalese player. They, they all came. And so I took them to Umrah, showed them around. We made Tawaf together. There's a picture on Ilmfi that time that you know, went viral, subhanAllah. And then uh, they wanted to get the haircut. Uh, and they've got very short hair, all three of them said, look, man, we can do it back in our hotel. So we took them to the, we, we're staying in the clock tower. And one of the brothers, I mean, I was staying in the shed in the room with four of them, four of the, uh, three other brothers. And one of them was a, is an ardent, you know, football fan. He was, he was fast asleep. So we got some pictures taken with the three of them standing next to him. <laughs> the haircut, we had the trimmers. And then, subhanAllah, they, they, they went off. So that was quite a, a famous. And we've had, you know, some other famous Muslim celebrities, MP Sadiq Khan. Mm-hmm. Mayor of London came to Hajj with his mum, such a beautiful brother, and his mum, mashallah, they were so patient. Allah bless them. So we've had some yeah. interesting people from that angle. We've had people that have got interesting jobs that have come. Uh, we've, you know, and alhamdulillah, I mean, now, you know, I think across the UK, there probably aren't many cities or towns where I think I don't know somebody from Hajj. Um, and that's a very special relationship. You meet somebody, it's like 19, whatever it was, 20, whatever it was. And that yeah. relationship is always so unique of the people you spent time with, you met. Yeah. Um, it, it's always quite phenomenal. We've had a couple that got divorced on Hajj literally. 
You know, we've had those kind of, wow. there have been some re- you know, there's some really interesting scenarios over the years. Um, and, and, and you come across everything, you know, because Hajj does take you out of your comfort zone. Mm. It does, you know, put you in a difficult scenario. Uh, and, you know, Abdurrahman, my, my, my brother, he always reminds me, he says, Hajj is like a washing machine. You know, if you look at the washing machine, that's what Hajj is. Allah is taking you through that cleansing, cleansing process. So there's times when it goes really fast and it's been, you know, you're being uh, squeezed out of all the dirty water and then you come out and you're hung to dry. And you can look at all the different processes of just the washing machine alone as to what it's like. So mm. there are so many different stories. Every year the, the Hajj is different. The groups are different. Um, and you, you develop a very special bond with absolutely everybody. Yeah. Um, Alhamdulillah, you know, some more than others, but everybody, everybody's unique in their own way. And the mm. love that you have for those people that you travel with is, is, is something that you can't compare with anybody else. Um, yeah. You know, it's obviously, especially if we are family and friends, but those who come to Hajj with you, that is that mm. bond. That's always, always yeah. best. No, I can imagine. What is your favorite part or day of or process of the Hajj, if you had to pick one? I mean, look, naturally, everybody who says the day of Arafat. Um, I, was, I was thinking that as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's naturally, everybody who says Arafat because that, that is Hajj. Arafat mm. is Hajj. Um, I think for me, when I say favorite, and it's because you've, you've got to the end, is when you come back from uh, Mina back to Makkah, once you've okay. completed the Hajj. Because then you know, you know, because getting to that period, Certainly from my perspective as a group leader and, and, and traveling as part of the team, I know the planning that goes behind it, the fear that people have mm. of, am I going to be able to do this? But then at the end, when they start walking back or getting a coach and they come back and, and you look at their faces, shiny, like they were born yesterday. Oof. That, that, that experience, that day, the day when you finish the Hajj mm. and people have a smile they're relieved. At that time, you know, the, the, the relationships are bonded. So for me, that's and that's not a favorite day because it's the end of the Hajj. It's just the whole experience of the completion. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, you, you, when, you, when, you, when you go to Hajj, you share a room with somebody in a hotel, right, who you don't know from Adam. Uh, and you've got to get used to that system. And, and look, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's such a blessing. And then from there, when you go to Mina, right, you're sharing a tent with people you don't know. Yeah. And then, you know, when you go to Mazdalifa, you're sharing the entire domain of, sorry, of, uh, of Mazdalifa with, you know, people from all over the world. So, you mm. know, it's that whole, you know, getting to know people. You think if, if that was a... And it's interesting because when you come to Mecca, you think, you know, this, this hotel is a palace martialized five-star. Then you go to Mina, you think, mm, that hotel in Mecca wasn't too bad, even though there were some problems there. And when from yeah. Mina, you go into Arafat, which is even more basic. You think, well, Mina wasn't too bad. And then from Arafat, you go to Masdalifa. You think, oh, my God, Arafat wasn't so bad. And when you arrive back to Mina, it's like Mina was a palace. Right? <laughs> um, but for me, I think the day the Hajj finishes, even though sad as it is that it's finished, mm. but I think seeing the brothers and sisters with the smiles on their faces, having completed what is probably one of the most difficult journeys from every sense of the word, Mm. But also the most blessed journey is to have overcome your fears, overcome your tests, your challenges. Um, and look, people long for the day of Arafat to make dua, and then then they, they, they become 
quite um, anxious about the night of Muzdalifah. Yeah. You know? And then the stoning at Jamarat, you know, all these things, they're all part of the... But once it's complete, on that day, I think, yeah, this is, alhamdulillah, you know, we've got to this particular point. And then Medina for us is, is pretty straightforward. Because yeah. Medina is, you know, Mecca and Medina are still like they were at the time of the Prophet Mecca is still hustle and bustle. And Medina is still calm and peaceful mm. as it would be at the time of the Prophet And it's still the same. So when you end up in Medina... There is a stillness. There's a calm. There's a reward. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, uh, some of the scholars say that it's like an army going to fight. You know, when they arrive in Makkah and they get into Mina, they're getting ready, aren't they? And then when they go to Jamarat, that's the battle, isn't it? Trying to overcome the shaitan. And then when they end up in Medina, it's like the reward. It's, the, it's that period before they go back home. You know, it's mm. in the battle before they go home. <clears throat> Um, so yeah, I think the day the Hajj finishes for me is a favorite day because all the heart and you know that night, your body feels it mentally. Mm. You know, you've you, you've you've given it everything, um, yeah. and Alhamdulillah. Then then you know that people are relaxed. They've done, um, but along the journey, Alhamdulillah, you know, walking through the Jamarats is an experience. And you know, there are tents that are next to the Jamarat, the VIP tents, where you hardly have to walk to the Jamarat. But for me, that journey from Mina to Jamarat to the tunnels at 45 minutes or so is absolutely phenomenal. You know, the mm. the, 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 the chanting, the takbirs and seeing people, and the it's absolutely amazing. That, that for me is, a, you know, a spectacle that, you know, if anybody hasn't witnessed that, you you mm. That's phenomenal. So there are bits, and then obviously the dua of Arafat at the day, you know, that is that's quite emotional. Um, seeing everybody literally, you know, crumble because that's mm. such crumbled in front of Allah for the you know, crumble like you've never crumbled before. Mm. Wow. You, like, you know, because you're there for forgiveness, that's that's phenomenal. Um, and then obviously, when the two occasions I had a chance to you know present Hajj with the Islam channel. I think flying over the over and around the Kaaba in a helicopter were definitely. Yeah. Famous. I mean, that's just not many people are going to do <laughs> that, that. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was. It's funny because the first time we did it, Rahim and I went, and that morning Rahim was asleep. Okay. And he said, "One of you have to go to this uh, media thing. They're doing something with a helicopter to fly over Mina. So I'll do it." Uh, I was awake, and but as I was sitting there, I didn't realize. The helicopter started to get closer and closer. You can see the clock tower. I thought, no way. And right enough, it went now. I thought, oh, wow. this is phenomenal. So that that was actually quite amazing because that, that's a, you know not many. I mean, now obviously you've got drones and things, but in those yeah. years, there such things. You know, who's going to see that kind of footage in their life? They're not. Wow. Um, so that was a, that was that was quite phenomenal. That's amazing. That is amazing. Alhamdulillah. No, that, that, that's brilliant stuff. I was going to say, I mean, how have you been feeling the, you know, last year and this year, knowing that there's just nothing you can do? You, you just can't go. Like, what's that, what's that been feeling like for you? It's, it's odd. I mean, it was like 2011 when I couldn't go. I mm. just felt there was something missing. And right, you know, I, and now I've, I, I feel there's something missing. Yeah. You feel you're missing out on the party, so to speak. Right? That's the way to put it. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, it was obvious. It's been it's been very sad. I mean, obviously, as a as a, a tour operator, the group of the brothers and sisters that we go, we are feeling it much more because we're all together every year. That particular two or three weeks, 
Um, so it's tough. It's tough. But fortunately for, for me, I think uh, presenting on Islam Channel in the days of Hajj, the, the live appeals, um, Hajj memories last year and this year, that's given me that connection because we've seen some of the archives, people are phoning in, and then mm-hmm. the live appeals, you're engaging with people, you're talking about the days of Dhul-Hijjah. So there is still that connection. And then obviously we're connected as a group every single day of the year. Um, we'll probably have a, 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 a physical meeting at some mm-hmm. point. Um, but yeah, that's sad. It, it is difficult. Um, and also you feel for those that are booked or had the intention to go, especially last year. Yeah. Many people were booked and, you know, we're looking at setting up training sessions and all the rest of it. Uh, and you feel for people because it, but you know what? We weren't meant to go last year. It's back mm. to that invitation. Allah yeah. wanted us not to go to Hajj last year. Um, and, and hopefully, I think in the same way that COVID has helped us to appreciate our family, our neighbors, the community, our health, et cetera, et cetera, we will start to understand and, and, and appreciate the haram. Mm. You know, so when I think back to that, that's, yeah, that's hard going. Yeah, we miss it, man. We miss it. You know, it's, it's tough. Mm. Um, yeah. And I feel for people who want to. And look, that, that it wasn't their time. It wasn't our time to go last year, this year. And uh, yeah, people are booked. They were meant to be. Hopefully, inshallah, you know, next year we'll get back. Inshallah. Yeah. Inshallah. No, I, I really hope and pray pray that we do because, you know, everyone's missing it. And, you know, one th- I want to actually come back to something you mentioned at the beginning, which was, you know, that year that you were in Syria and you couldn't go and, and, and obviously you felt devastated. But at the same time, you mentioned something interesting. You said that you, you felt like you had still fulfilled the Hajj. And I, yeah. I just want to bring that to, to a lot of people today, this year. Last year, you know, especially let's talk about this year. Let's 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 end on a more practical note because there's a lot of people that are feeling sad. They can't be there. What would you advise? How how can they still feel the the Hajj fulfillment, so to speak? Look, the the way to look at it is, Allah has given us certain mercies in the days of Dhul Hijjah for those who are who can't perform the Hajj. Mm-hmm. You know, we can fast. We can do good deeds. We do our qurbani. We pray more. We Literally, these 10 days are similar to the last 10 nights of Ramadan. So Allah yeah. has given us that opportunity to experience or at least get the reward of being on hajj. So my advice would be that, you know, take advantage of these 10 days, the days of hajj, mm. and you will at least be spiritually connected with what's happening. So, you know, if you're doing a qurbani, not cutting your nails, not cutting your hair, which is exactly what the hujaj do, right? Obviously, they don't have to fast, but we're inclined to be fast. Do a qurbani. So look, you know, the qurbani scenario, many people give one sheep or one share for the entire family. No, it's, it's one sheep or a share per, per person. Really get into this because I feel Ramadan, we've kind of pretty much connected to all the dots. You know, we're very much, some of us are over-educated in Ramadan sometimes. But the 10 days of Dhul Hijjah, I feel we're really lacking the connection. Mm. Uh, and think that it was it was the ultimate sacrifice, right? Yeah. So sacrificing charity, your time, your deeds, the qurbani itself. Don't underestimate the value of these things. So I would say, look at the ten days. Look at what the Prophet ﷺ mentioned. Look at what the, Allah says in the Quran. Allah swears by the ten days and the ten nights. Yeah. So if Allah is swearing by them, then that's a pretty serious scenario, you know. Mm. Allah swears yeah. by time in Surah Al Asr. That's a serious scenario. Allah swears by the day and the night and Allah swears by the 10 days and the 10. 
that that means there's a, there's a massive issue here that if we do not mm. connect these 10 days in the so if you really want to connect to hajj then you have to connect to the days of Dhul-Hijjah. Um, mm. and obviously majority of the world cannot physically connect to the hajj but if we go through the motions of of doing all those things that we did in the last 10 nights of ramadan then we'll, 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 there will be a connection and and also make sincere dua that Allah grants us the opportunity to go next year or the year, whenever our time is but make that intention yeah. Uh, and intention is not enough. You also have to tie your camel. So yeah. start to go around looking at the different travel agents. And, you know, I would say get some recommendation, get some endorsement, meet the travel agent, you know, et cetera. Some, you know, we've, we've seen many people, unfortunately, you know, have lost out on for various reasons and scammed and all the rest of it. But make mm-hmm. sure you look out and, and, and find the right people to travel with. Make sure you people have traveled with them before, et cetera. But yeah, you know, if you really want to connect with Hajj and, uh, you know, fulfill the days of Dhul Hijjah, look up, and it's about deeds, it's about fasting, it's about dhikr, it's about giving your qurbani, it's about giving charity, um, and it's, it's similar to the last 10 nights, put in the same efforts, alhamdulillah, uh, and, mm. connect. and then obviously the day of Arafat is coming next Monday or Tuesday, depending on which mosque or which moon you follow, but fast on that particular day, make, make an occasion of it with your family, and the Eid yeah. as well, make an occasion with your family as you did in the days of Ramadan. So we really connect to them, inshallah. Um, yeah. and, and that will give us a benefit. May Allah give us a tawfiq, the, 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 the means to be able to travel. Uh, and when I say the means, look, you know, people travel by foot, by ship, by cycle all over the years. And now it's just a straightforward flight for many of us. Uh, yeah. May Allah make peace for us, inshallah, to, to be able to go to the house again. I mean, I mean, uh, honestly, thank you so much for, for joining us. Yeah. I've really enjoyed this one. I've enjoyed the... Uh, the conversations and just taking us back to Makkah and Medina, uh, mm-hmm. as I'm sure so many people would be experiencing and a beautiful dua at the end. Definitely may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow mm-hmm. us all to, inshallah, you know, unite. Uh, mm-hmm. I-, I hope to one day see you there, brother Naeem, you know, whilst we're doing talk, one day just bump into each other. <laughs> we go together. And, uh, yeah, inshallah, that would be amazing. And if not, then may Allah reunite us all in, in paradise in, in the Amin. best Amin. best Eid possible. But thank you once again uh, on behalf of the Ilmfeed family for joining us and of course to all our viewers and listeners thank you for tuning into this podcast hope you have an amazing uh, few days in dhul hijjah and eid as well inshallah huge eid mubarak to all of you in advance from the ilmfeed family from myself shabir from brother naeem we'll see you next time inshallah take care of yourselves assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh